Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw, and I'm here with my buddy, John Korea from Active Self Protection. Uh, John, how you doing today? Man, every day's a holiday and every meal's a feast. That's what they taught us in boot camp, right? That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm awesome, dude. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. John stays busy doing a lot of stuff, uh, helping people live safer lives. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. Uh, John, what do you do? Well, uh, so in the self-defense world, what I do is I own Active Self-Protection, which uh, is a self-defense and firearms training company in Phoenix. But what I'm known for uh, is for the last couple of years, what I've done is I have taken uh, real-life surveillance video of defensive encounters, you know, armed robberies, ATMs, Mugging, stabbings, you name it. And I narrate them for lessons. I do after action reports. I uh, used to do that in the Navy. I, I made hot water the hard way in the Navy. And so that skill of whenever something went wrong, we would uh, do an after action report and then disseminate it to everybody so that everybody learned and not everybody was making the same mistake. And um, so I do that with real life self-defense encounters so that we as a defensive community can learn what the real problems we have to solve are. Awesome. Uh, what kind of feedback do you get from that? Have you, have you seen that you've made um, any impact that's measurable? Like people saying, hey, man, I, I've been doing this right here. I was in this situation and X happened. Yeah, I actually get that fairly regularly, believe it or not. I probably get um, a message on our social media stuff um, maybe once a week even, uh, at least monthly with people that are saying, hey, man, um, this say this helped me really big time in this instance, or I was in this thing and your head, you know, your voice was chirping in my head and um, that really helped me. So it's very gratifying. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's uh that's worth keeping on doing it right there. Uh, it's kind of my motivation for a lot of things that I do. And, you know, I, I appreciate guys like you uh, who spend their time uh, to put out good information and, and do things like that. Um, so what is active self-protection? The, the idea behind that? Well, I mean, the idea is that, uh, you're your own first responder. You know, we talk about that all the time. I'm pro-law enforcement and I got a lot of cop friends and family in, in included. But, you know. That's what all the anti-cops say. I got a lot of cop yeah, friends. Yeah, I got all the cop friends in the world, right? No, I really do. You know, my best friend in the world's a cop and a uh, federal cop and, and my brother-in-law's a cop. Uh, I got nothing but respect for that job. But you and I both know they can't protect you from harm. Um, you know, every video we've seen, and I've I've seen thousands of them now. Um, by the time the police get there, it's all over, man. They're, they're there to take reports and clean up the mess. So, um, you know, the idea behind active self-protection is to give people attitude, skills, and plan. That's why we call ASP, attitude, skills, and plan. And so that's my little motto is to cover your ASP. Um, and that's attitude, skills, and plan. So you got to have the attitude of a self-defender. And that is that you're the primary agent in your own rescue. And um, you got to have the heart that says, I, I, I have a right to stop people from hurting me. And then uh, you got to have... So let's, let's, let's pause at the, at the attitude for just a okay. second. So, you know, obviously a lot of folks that, that listen to Gunfighter Cast and, and are, are, you know, prescribed to active self-protection and, and follow you and communicate with you, um, the people who come to our training classes, uh, you know, they, they have that attitude. They've accepted responsibility for their own personal safety. But uh, one thing that I'm interested in doing uh, and, and thing I, I try and, and rack my brain to figure it out how do we reach more people with that attitude and and present them the the truth of that attitude uh, and the reality of it and 
basically make them accept it and say, yeah, you know what? I need to do that. You know, man, I think the unfortunate truth is that for many people, I mean, some people are like, are like you and I, and, and I think probably a majority of our audiences are people who found a reason to want to protect themselves. Um, for some, it's proactive. You know, this is the way I was raised. I was raised in an environment where we took care of our own or, you know, um, or whatever. But, uh, for others, it takes a traumatic incident, uh, and it takes them having something happen to them or happening in their periphery. Um, you know, I see, for instance, a lot of women, it, it happens when, um, they're raped or they're have an attempted abduction or, um, you know, they get the crap beat out of them by a boyfriend or something that they go, nah, never again. I'm not going to have that. And then they, they start to take that attitude that nobody should be able to do that to me. Nobody can do that to me. And so I'm going to protect myself. So that's the way it happens a lot. You know, I see it with law enforcement too. All my law enforcement buddies uh, who have been in stabbed or shot or in fights where they thought they were going to die in a ditch, uh, they are the most proficient of any other officers that show up to the class. They're, they're always, because they put in the work and the time and effort, they realize what it's like uh, for that. I can't tell you how many students I've had who were either on the fence or against guns until somebody broke into their house, you know, or, or something, some violent attack happened to them or almost happened. And they just, they experienced that incredible incredibly helpless feeling of all I can do is hope and beg this person not to hurt me. There's really nothing else I can do. Uh, so then they say, you know what, I'm going <laughs> to, this isn't going to happen again. Like you said. Yeah. I, I think that's it. I think, you know, it's whether it's in your periphery or whatever, I, I can tell you that. I mean, for me, it was that I was running a video game store. I mean, I've been around guns my whole life, but, but I was going to, to grad school and running a video game store. And when the, the new generation of consoles came out, Man, there's reports of people getting mugged and beat up and even killed for a, a stake in PlayStation. And I was like, nah, man, that's just not going to happen. I am not going out like that. And But but real life, like, I mean, I talked to a friend who worked on the other side of town who who seriously got pistol whipped for a PlayStation. And and I that was the point where I, I mean, I looked at my wife and I said, nah, I, I'm going to definitely start taking some steps and get trained and, and get proficient and carry a firearm. So I, I'm just typical like that, like a lot of people. So back to the question, you know, we know that that's a driving force behind people doing that. Um, I believe someone, uh, you know, quite a, an apt pupil or, you know, a researcher, someone who puts some time and effort will start to put the pieces together and be like, you know what, I am the missing piece. Uh, and they start to figure that out. But, you know, if we were to reach out to these people, if we were to have a conversation, the, the elevator pitch to them, you know, what would that be for you? Well, I mean, I think that, that first of all, you showcase a need, you know, with people once you recognize – um, I think that Americans by and large are convinced that, um, we have police to stop crime and, and that we, well, I live in a safe neighborhood. And, and so for a lot of them, I think it is simply showing them what the realities are. I mean, it's like you say, when you make it personal, it's not over there. It's not somewhere else. It's right here. So, uh, Great, for instance, every year I do a women's self-defense class at a neighborhood here in town, a very affluent neighborhood, mind you, that a woman had a man who um, broke into her home while she was actually out uh, walking her dogs. And when she came home, he assaulted her with a knife and um, it was a neighbor with a gun that stopped him. And so we do a women's self-defense class in honor of that woman uh, every year in her neighborhood and the ladies come in droves because it's, wow, this is a good neighborhood. It's not supposed to happen here. And yet it does. So I think showing them the the actual statistics, the actual need, uh, one of my most powerful things that I do in a broad audience is 
Uh, you know, I say, I, I look up in a given area, I say, what's the average police response time here? What would you say it is? And people say, oh, okay, it's it's three minutes, it's five minutes, it's eight minutes, depending on where you are. Yeah, yeah I mean, right, in a gray area, if you got a substation right down the street, it's five minutes from the time the 911 call comes in, right? And uh, and I, and then I sit there in silence for one minute and just go, okay, so let's see how, let's see how long one minute is when someone's attacking us. Of course, that was like five seconds, right? <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not waiting that long. Yeah, we're not going to wait that long. But you know, that's like five seconds of silence, and you go, "Oh man, that's forever." And and that your average defensive encounter is over in less than ten seconds, you know. And and you go, "Hey, so so you're going to be the primary agent, um, ladies especially." You know, you got to become a self rescuing princess, and uh, I, I think that helps some. But but you know, like I do, man. I mean, if someone's not going to be convinced, they're not going to be convinced, and. Um, not everybody is a defender and those folks who aren't, you, you got to just respect that for what it is and, and hope nothing happens to them. I, I look at it like, uh, like marketing, you know, I've got to continue to touch people, continue to touch them. Uh, just one time they see something, they're probably not going to jump on it, but you keep hitting them and five times down the road, they're like, Oh, there's that thing again. I was thinking about that. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, and, and if we can just keep touching them, um, uh, you're a pastor. Yep. So, um, uh, I know there's a, a, a term, um, gently spreading the gospel, you know, oh. instead of like trying to force it down somebody's throat, kind of the same thing. I, I, I take the same kind of attack uh, with, uh, with the firearms side and, and maybe people aren't ready to jump right into guns, but there's plenty of other things that we can do. So, you know, I offer some, some software training that doesn't involve any hardware. Uh, and a lot of that is, uh, you know, if we can, you know, gently and not scream down your throat, like you need gun in the NRA, yeah. right? you know, it's like, that's, that's probably not going to work on these people, but I, I want to bring them in. And, uh, it is not an easy thing. to. Well, I, I think I tell guys all the time, man, like, you know, especially for those guys that come out of the military. Right. And, you know, I was raised in a, a family of world war two Marines and Vietnam Marines. And I was a squid myself. And I see all these guys that come out of the military and they, they keep their knife hand real sharp, you know, and, and they come out and they, you know, this is what's up and they got to put that. And I tell guys all the time, look, man, I, I've been out for a long time. Please put that knife hand away. I don't need that. And I don't treat people that way. You know, I say, look, I want you to, to really consider what the realities are. If you're not ready today, but I want to maintain a relationship with you because then when you are ready, then you know where to go and you know that you have a friend and somebody who won't um, berate you for not doing this a long time ago. And so I wish more guys with that military and law enforcement background would be gentle with people like that and would recognize that, hey, maybe you're not ready today, but maybe you will be. And if I maintain an open bridge with you, then uh, when you are ready, then we can talk and I can help you. Awesome. So you were next. You were rolling into skills. Yep. Yeah, it's attitude, then skills, then plan. And um, that's that heart there. And You know, I see people with, with attitude all the time. You know, they're like, yeah, man, I'll mess people up. But you and I both know there are keyboard, keyboard commandos like crazy. And, and they, they have all the bravado in the world, but the reality is they don't have any skills to back it up. And so if you don't have the skills in order to do what you need to do in the moment, then, you know, you're up a creek, man. And so that's that next part is to know, uh, for me, to know what skills you actually need. And I think that we get, um, way too much information from Hollywood about what skills we actually need and not enough skills, not enough information about what's actually really necessary in a gunfight or in a fight for your life. And then, and then to actually possess those skills, because that takes training and training costs money and it takes time and it takes commitment. And unfortunately, um, so few are willing to do that. Um, I mean, I say to people, look, if you're not getting in any profession in America, 
literally any profession in America, you have to get continuing education. You know, most professions, my wife is a midwife and she requires uh, 40 hours a year of continuing education. And I go, why don't we as self-defenders require that? Why is that not a part of our life? That Hey, I have to get 40 hours of training in with my handgun this year. Not practice on the range, but training. Like sitting under somebody who knows what the heck they're doing, who's farther along the path than I am. Well, we've talked a lot. You know my policy on that. Uh, I believe that everybody should get training and, and get as much of it as possible uh, with as many people as possible and get different perspectives. But there is absolutely no government entity or mortal man that should tell me what that training is. So us as a culture, as a community, uh, we got to inspire our fellow gun owners and, and gun carriers uh, to go out and get that training and hold them accountable if they're not. Well, absolutely. I mean, of course, I don't want the government mandating squat. I, I'm... <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm libertarian enough that I'm not real excited about that. But I think that anybody who is a self-defender realizes that their skills are perishable, realizes that that if you're not actually working on them and having somebody else tell you your blind spots, then you're in trouble. So, I mean, again, industries police themselves and we have to police ourselves. And, you know, man, the number of people that I see who couldn't pull off a, a clean dot torture at three yards uh, and yet they carry a gun every day. And, and I go, man, you don't have a skill set that you can, that you can just shoot a clean dot torture, which is no time, all the time in the world. It's just sight, picture, sight alignment, trigger control. That's it. As slow as you want to go. And, and if you can't do that, okay, I'm not saying that anybody should tell you you shouldn't carry a gun, but let's be real. You shouldn't carry a gun. Uh, you know, so I look at stuff like that and that's the kind of things that you learn in a class. Wow, man, maybe my skills aren't up to par. Maybe I'm not ready to do some of those things and I need some remedial training in order to get there because most people take a CCW class and they're like, yep, I got my permission slip. Here I got, I got this government card that says I'm good to go. And, and you don't, you're not good to go. I mean, my CCW class was a, a joke from a skills perspective. Put 10 holes in this large piece of paper with as much time in the world as you want from five yards. And that's all, that's all it was. So a CCW class doesn't teach you how to shoot. It doesn't teach you what you need to know. It's not for years after that, that I finally realized, man, these are some of the skills that I got to have. So that's one of the things that we really want to focus on is to teach people to say, well, what skills do you really need? What do you actually have to do uh, in a gunfight? So, uh, and, and I, I like to say, I try to be what I call an evidence-based defensive trainer. And that is, I don't want to base my, my, uh, training shibboleths, my, my doctrines on, uh, anecdotes on, well, you know, this one guy said, I, I want to look again and again and again and see in real life encounters what actually happened, what really went down here. Um, and, and sometimes that gets me in trouble because then people say, well, wait, John, that's, that'll get you killed on the streets. And I go, well, it didn't get that guy killed on the streets and that didn't get that guy killed on the streets. And this worked for that guy on the streets. Yeah, but it'll kill you on the streets, except for it doesn't. And then, or this other side, you got to have this thing. Well, that never happens. How about this one, this one, this one, this one, this one? And I show them 15 or 20 videos and they get all pissed. <laughs> so I, I totally agree. Uh, you know, but we, when we're watching those videos and analyzing, we have to go, you know, deeper than just face value, you know, and, and kind of figure out exactly the how and the why and, and everything else, why it worked out for them, what other factors were involved. But I said in the, the, our latest episode of Gunfighter Cast, where me and John announced that we'd be back and continue to do the show, uh, that I believe that I am the most fortunate of all firearms trainers in history because I have more evidence. 
I, I, because I have more evidence, I should be able to be more right, uh, because I can watch actual fights all day long and not go by so-and-so's story of what his account, you know, because he was telling the story because he lived, uh, and, and nobody else. Now I can watch video now. I can see it's actual fights and situations develop and, and the immediate aftermath. Uh, sometimes I can also get the information for the courtroom, uh, and how it ended up later on. And, you know, right now we just have a plethora of evidence out there, uh, and information to pull from to help me be more right than, uh, you know, any other firearms instructor in history. Well, and we got to be careful uh, because before me anyway, you know, video tells one part of the story, but it doesn't tell the whole story. And, and so we have to recognize that for what it is. But I totally agree with you. I mean, the proliferation of dash cams and, uh, that are super cheap now. I mean, you can go on Amazon and buy a dash cam of incredible high quality for a hundred bucks. Um, you know, a body cam, uh, officers are starting to wear them more and more now. And those are still a little expensive, but they're coming down. A surveillance camera setup. I mean, you can set up surveillance cameras in your shop or in your home. For literally a, a three four hundred dollars, and and have high definition video that was unheard of, even ten years ago. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So mm-hmm. you're totally right. We're we are embarrassed now by the amount of of information we have available from which to build an understanding. Awesome. Uh, so that can we, that translates into you know software using the hardware skills, what skills we need to have, all those things, and then the. Of the ASP. <laughs> it's a plan, right? So you got to have skills. And then the plan comes. That's that before, during, and after, right? Um, that's that idea of um, understanding the before the encounter and in the middle of the encounter and then the follow-up of the encounter and pre-programming what you're going to do. Um, I think that's not just the defensive world. You know, again, I, I made hot water the hard way in the Navy. Um that, that's what I did. I operated nuclear reactors and we had a set of operating procedures that said, if you see this problem, this is what you do. And you have immediate actions that you take without looking at a book. And then once you've done them, then you go look at the book and make sure you didn't screw any of them up. And then here's the follow-up actions you take from the book. And so plan becomes then, okay, wait a minute, here are my strike points. Here's the things I do. We talk about, and, and I know it's a little overused, but you know, we talk about awareness and the color code and, and living life, understanding what pre-attack cues are. And a life of, of preparedness, um, of, of responsibility that doesn't put you in, uh, bad spots. You know, we talk about the rules of stupid. Um, I think there are four rules of stupid, personally. Uh, you talk about the three rules of stupid. I think there's a fourth. You know, you don't go stupid places with stupid people at stupid times and do stupid things. Uh, you can usually get away with one stupid and not have problems happen to you, but, more than one stupid and your, your chances of problems go up. And, and I know, I mean, I, I respect guys like William, uh, April who says, you know, but, but I like going stupid places with stupid people and doing stupid things. As long as you recognize that that's going to greatly increase your chances of trouble. Okay. Knock yourself out. And he's, you know, he's a competent dude. He knows his stuff. So, okay. Go ahead. Uh, but for me and for mine, I mean, a life of, of preemptive, uh, uh understanding of where your risks are. Um, a life of understanding, okay, so if I'm going to make a plan, what does that mean? For me, that means carry your stinking gun. You know, something as simple as that. How many people do you know with a CCW who don't carry? Uh, or they go, well, I'll carry if I know there's going to be trouble. I go, look, if I know there's going to be trouble, I'm not going. I mean, there's a bottom line. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, hey, you know what? Let's go over to Billy's house. We'll probably get in a fist fight and maybe a gunfight, but let's go. It'll be fun. Heck no, I'm not going. What are you, stupid? 
but but just and can't... if I have to go, I'm taking a rifle. Right, exactly. And three or four buddies that have rifles, right? <laughs> so you know that's what that plan is. It's I've got my tools on me. I know how to use them. I've got the skills. I've planned in advance. I stay aware of what's going on in my world, and then you know to know what are my strike points. When does the gun come out of the holster? What constitutes a deadly threat? Understanding lawful self-defense is part of my plan and moral self-defense. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, and so um, for me, understanding moral self-defense, when am I when am I okay to protect myself and my loved ones? That's important to me. Um, and and I think that that we lose that quite a bit is the reality of things. Um, and, and you know, so that's where the plan comes in is to be able to say, hey. I, I know where my strike points are. I know what to do before, during, and after. So if I have attitude to protect myself and skills, then I add the plan and that should protect me. I should be good to go. So, you know, carrying a gun by itself is, uh, is definitely a part of it. Uh, me, I, I don't like carrying guns. Uh, I like, I like not having a gun less. So that's, that's why, basically why I, I carry a gun. I believe they're uncomfortable. They're, they're, it's no fun carrying a gun, uh, digs in my leg, however I'm carrying. Uh, I don't enjoy it. Uh, my wife doesn't like wearing heels, but I love when she wears heels, right? So it's kind of like uh, uh, it's something that we sacrifice for something else and uh, yeah, get some training and, uh, you know, carry the gun, carry that thing and, and put in work. And, uh, you know, there, I believe there's there's training and there's practice. So I'm going to yes. go out and get some training and, and then I'm going to go, you know, practice those new learned skills that I got uh, and I, I'm going to push myself and I'm going to get better and I'm going to get a realistic picture of where I'm at. Uh, and I'm also a part of that plan is I'm going to inspire the people around me and make my world and my country and my community a safer place because I want everybody else carrying guns, uh, to have the same, uh, have training and have, uh, have the same mindset and some, some similar skills. Uh, and, and it's going to end up being an enjoyable experience for all of us while we're getting there. Uh, and at the same time, we're making our communities a safer place. Amen, man. And I think, you know, when, when we, encourage other people when we provide paths for them to be excellent. You know, I say not everybody has to carry a gun. Uh, you know, the guys who do and the gals who do provide a little bit of herd immunity. Um, and that's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, inspiring others to uh, be the primary agents in their own rescue. Uh, and I think that makes everybody safer because, again, attackers, criminals, you know, that that uh, deadly threat that they, they happen really for only a few reasons. Number one, because, um, you know, people are trying to take what's not theirs. And number two, because of interpersonal conflict. Um, those are the, the, the two big ones. And third is ideological violence. And, uh, but, you know, if you can really put a dent in one and two, when those people know that their violence will not be met with nothing that they run the risk of being greatly harmed themselves. We see it in nature, you know. Um, you know, a cheetah, if he gets kicked in the face, he stops chasing after what it was he was chasing and goes and licks his wounds. You know, a lion that gets a wildebeest trying to gore him will bug out and, and go find something else that's not going to gore him to eat. And, and in the same way, you know, if you act like food, you're going to get eaten. And if you don't act like food, you won't get eaten. Or at least reduce your chances of getting eaten. Right. I always say at the end of the day, if listen, I can't tell you that I'm going to win every fight. Far from it. I mean, I've been studying and training long enough that I know that that it's dicey every time. But at the very least, I, at the end of the uh, you know the fight, I want that guy to look at me and go, "God dang it, that guy was hard to kill." 
Yeah, I would uh, prefer to not die. Yeah, amen, right? But but if I happen to get in a fight, uh, I will be showing up. You know, <laughs> I'll, my, my presence will be known. <laughs> it will be a contest. That's right. Uh, you know, that's something totally different. You know, that's that's part of the uh, the plan. But you know, having the mindset. You know, and the, I believe in. Uh, I teach a training mindset uh, in in a class, and I also teach a. Um, uh, basically a warrior spirit, a, uh, a fighting mindset. Uh, they're two different things. They, the one prepares one for the other, but it's, uh, that, that fighting mindset is, is a, a powerful thing, uh, a determined enemy, a determined, like, I, I am not going down. I'm not going to die today. Um, you know, I, I, I watch the, uh, the movie 13 hours and, and read the book and, and watch all the guys from there. And, uh, you know, the, the perseverance there of those guys who were, like against some crazy odds, but to stand there and fighting for each other and not stopping. Um, I've actually sent a message to uh, to Mark Geist, and I'm and if he can't make it on, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit somebody else. But I, I want to have them on the show, and I want to talk about that and how those guys persevered together. And you know, I've been in some really nasty situations in my life, and uh, where people were considering quitting, and the thought crossed minds, and uh, it's just like this isn't gonna work out, or. Maybe I'll just go sit in the vehicle. Uh, but then the guys who showed up, man, and uh, just 100% and, and we're going to fight and there was no way it's going to end. That decides whether you, you win or lose in a full-scale battle. And it decides whether you win or lose in a, a one-on-one, two-aim at the gas pumps. So where can the listeners find you and, and, and learn more about uh, active self-protection and, uh, and, and your, your focus and what you're doing? Well, I mean, you know, the best ways to find us, Facebook and YouTube uh, are my main social media channels. And uh, Facebook slash Active Self Protection. Um, YouTube is weird, so you just got to go on YouTube and Google. Or not Google, but you get my, you know, YouTube and search Active Self Protection. Uh, and the channel will come up. Um, and, you know, again, I'm not trying to, to prevent or somebody from forming their own ideas. Just the opposite. I just want to help you know the problem that you face. Uh, and, and then that's why you go. Um, to guys like you and, and say, Hey, I need these skills. This is what really happens. And, and, you know, uh, the reality is when you see what, what a real deadly force encounter looks like, not a Hollywood one, but a real one, it, it scares you, man. It's serious stuff. Um, and so, you know, that's what we want to do. So all I'm trying to do is help people prepare for that encounter. And, and of course, man, my hope is, is that, I never have to use it. My hope is is that you live a life of preemption where you never have to to put your gun skills into play. But for that instance where you, you can't avoid it, uh, that it comes your way and it, and it's not something you can escape, hey, you better be ready when that balloon goes up, man. So that's what we're trying to do. So that's where you find us. Awesome. John, thanks for uh, for coming on the show and and talking about active self-protection. I think you had a lot of good information. Listeners are going to get a lot out of. Uh, we're on the same goal, same mission, same team. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, if you ever need anything from us, be sure to let us know and happy to have you on again in the future. Man, I, I appreciate your friendship, Daniel. And, uh, I know what you're doing, man. And I'm proud to call you a friend and happy to help any way I can. Awesome. Uh, it's customary on Gunfighter Cast for the guest to give us our, uh, little going away statement. And you're going to say Gunfighter Cast out. Gunfighter Cast out. Gunfighter Cast out.